Uh, we find ourselves uh, walking through the Gospel of John, and so if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, if you have a copy of the Scriptures. Uh, if you don't, the passage will be on the screen. If you uh, don't want to look at the screen, you can pull out your phone, uh, go to the Version Bible app, uh, search under events, and then look for Christ Point Church, and you can follow along uh, with the outline. You can read along with the passage if you're if you think I'm going a little long, you can see where I am in the outline, so that helps as well. John chapter 6, our passage this morning is verses 41 uh, through 70. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will be all taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give, uh, will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him." As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who, uh, who would not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Verse 66, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, 
and yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. This morning, I want to speak to our high school graduates from John chapter 6. If you are not a high school graduate yet, or if it has been a year or two since you have graduated from high school, I do believe these words are applicable to us all. However, I have our high school graduates in mind. There are four reminders or four charges for things that I want you to be reminded of or challenged by this morning. Number one, I want you to decide if Jesus was just a guy or if he was God. I want you to decide if you have not already whether or not Jesus was just a guy or he was, in fact, God. Number two, I want to encourage you, do not run from God. You'll get tired and God has good closing speed. It is true. Uh, Number three, I want to challenge us all not to settle for cheap bread. Don't settle for cheap bread. And number four, I want to encourage you, and this is the only time where this is allowed, to copy off Simon Peter's paper. These are the four hopes and dreams I have for you. So dear uh, graduates, first and foremost, decide if Jesus was just a guy or if he was, in fact, God. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 41 reads, So the Jews grumbled about him, him being Jesus, because Jesus said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? So Jesus made this bold claim uh, to his audience. And his claim was that he, in fact, was bred uh, from heaven. Essentially, what Jesus is doing is claiming uh, to be sent from God and actually claiming to be God. It's quite a claim. Most people, if they made that sort of claim, uh, we would put them in a particular category and we would understandably so distance ourselves uh, from them. Uh, But there was a group of people who were looking at Jesus and they assumed essentially that Jesus was certifiably nuts. Uh, They looked at him as just a guy, but not God. They looked at Jesus and said, you are not from the Father, you're from Joseph. In other words, we know your folks. Like, we know where you were born. We know where you were raised. We know your mom and dad, right? You may have a Messiah complex, but you're not the Messiah. You're a regular Joe. Uh, you're, you're just a guy. Students, how you view Jesus whether you see him as just a guy or whether you view him as God, will determine your direction in life. And so my question for you this morning, the question that I want you uh, to wrestle with is who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Was Jesus simply a motivational speaker? Was he kind of a moral teacher? Was he an influential leader? Was he someone who came to inspire the crowd or to start a following, or was he, in fact, God? If, dear graduate, you think Jesus uh, was just a guy, uh, please uh, do not not waste your time playing uh, church games. Uh, You don't have to go out of your way to appease 
your parents. You don't have to put forth any effort and pretend. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you not to. Um, To live that kind of life is exhausting. However, if Jesus was who he claimed to be, if Jesus, in fact, was not only God's son, but was God, then I might encourage you, I would encourage you to spend your days, every day, chasing after him. How you view Jesus changes everything. It changes the way that you view God and the people who he made. It changes the way that you work. It changes the way that you spend your time and your money. It changes what we pursue and how we pursue it. It changes what we decide to celebrate in life, and it will change how we grieve and lament. How you view Jesus changes everything. And so if you haven't not already, decide quickly if Jesus was just a guy, Joseph and Mary's son, or if he was, in fact, God. And number two, graduates, let me encourage you, do not run from God. Do not run from God. You'll get tired, and God has really good closing speed. I have found this to be true in my own life. Uh, if you are here this morning, you might be wondering, how do we come to God? How do we get to God? Well, God tells us in his word, God draws us. God draws us. This is what Scripture says in verse 43 of John chapter 6. Jesus answered them, Do not grumble amongst yourselves. No one can come to the Father unless the Father who sent me draws him. Isn't that an amazing statement by Jesus? And then he says, And I will raise him up on the last day. We don't earn our way to God. We don't effort our way to God. We We don't come to a point in life when we realize we're just a little smarter than the average bear, and we've kind of figured out spiritual things while other people have not. It is God that draws us. John chapter 6, verse 61 says, It is spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. In other words, uh, God rules over life. In our flesh, uh, we cannot produce it. uh, We cannot create it or manufacture it. God draws us. In verse 64 and 65 of John chapter 6, uh, it says that there are some who do not believe. And then scripture says, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. God is in the business of drawing people to himself. Right? He has done this throughout all of human history. And he still does it today. If you are running from God and you are his kid, God will find you and he will come for you. He will, he will draw you. He will woo you by his spirit back to himself. God will swing open the doors of heaven for you. We come to Jesus because God draws us. Uh, He woos us. He changes our hearts and our affections. 
Uh, This is important to remember, students, because you will be tempted uh, when you leave home uh, to run uh, from God. Uh, There will be a temptation. I don't know when it's going to happen, uh, but there will be a temptation to leave behind all that you have grown to know and love over the course of the last seven or 18 years of your life. You will leave home. uh, You will be far from home. Whether you are 20 minutes or 20 hours, it will feel like you are far from home. Uh, You don't have to look over your shoulder and wonder if your mom or dad is going to open the door to your room. Uh, They will not be texting you anymore, asking you, where are you and when do you expect to come home? Uh, No one will turn on the lights of your bedroom on Sunday morning and let you know that we're leaving for church in seven minutes. It's time to get ready. Instead, at college, you will have great freedom. And if you so choose, you will have little accountability. And that, my friends, is a very dangerous combination. Great freedom and little accountability. And so if you find yourself ever taking advantage of that particular situation, and you wake up one morning and find yourself asking the question, how did I end up here? I want you to remember something. I want you to remember uh, that there is a place to go. I want you to remember wherever you find yourself that you can always, you can always, you can always run to your Father. Uh, And by His grace, uh, He will throw open His arms to meet you. Pastor and author Tim Keller once said, the only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. We have that kind of access. If you are God's kid, you have that kind of access. Uh, Go to God, not only when you seemingly have it all together, but go to God when it seems like everything is falling apart, particularly when you feel like it is falling apart because of your own doing. I love the picture of the prodigal son. The imagery is beautiful. God reminds us that God does not uh, drag us home, but he does welcome us home. Uh, God draws back his kids. He is more interested in you than you are in him. And that is very good news. Tim Keller once said, the central business of Christian assurance is not how much our hearts are set on God, but how unshakably his heart is set on us. The central business of Christian assurance is not how much our hearts are set on God, but how unshakably his heart is set on us. If you are here this morning and you have a fickle heart, and we do, I hope that lands is very good news. Uh, Dear graduate, decide if Jesus was just a guy 
or if he was God. Dear graduate, do not run from God. You will get tired, and God has good closing speed. Dear graduate, uh, do not settle for cheap bread. Verse 47 of John chapter 6 reads, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give him for the life of the world is my flesh. I don't know about you, but I I love bread. I know I've been told that I am not supposed to love bread, but I do. Many people in my life have told me, James, the whiter the bread, the sooner you're dead. (laughs) When I hear that, I simply respond, pass me the bread. All right? I, I love bread. I love eating bread. But I have to admit Over the years, I have become a bit of a bread snob. When I was a little guy, when I was just a kid uh, growing up in my parents' house, my mom used to make me lunch for school. She would make me the classic peanut butter and jelly sandwich. This was back in the day when it wasn't against the law to eat said peanut butter. And she would put it in my lunch each and every day, and I would pull it out, and I would take a bite of the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But listen... I didn't know it at the time, but my mom was buying, like, you know the Wonder Bread that you can get at the grocery store? Like, a level or two below that. Like, what, like, like she would give me that. It was, it was soggy bread. It was soggy bread. I would take a bite of the sandwich, and it would get stuck on the roof of my mouth. And then as a little kid, I had to, to work with my tongue to try to get it off, but I never could. And so what do you do? Stick your hand in your mouth and scrape it off the roof of your mouth. Later in life, I I discovered through God's sheer mercy and grace uh, that there is actually good bread out there. Like you can eat good quality, good bread, and I have taken full advantage of it. When you taste, when you taste the good stuff, you never want to settle. When you taste Jesus as the bread of life, you never want to settle. Like you you want the good stuff. You want the good stuff. And Jesus is bread from heaven. Like he told his followers, I am bread and I am life. You come to me and I will satisfy you. I will fulfill you. Life is found in me. When I was in high school, there were these popular t-shirts that everyone uh, used to wear. Uh, And they, they simply read things like, football is life. And the rest is just details. Soccer is life. And the rest is just details. Music is life. And the rest are just details. Or my personal favorite, tennis <laughs> is life. And the rest are just details. I think they sold like seven units of those t-shirts. And two of them I bought. Uh, th- those t-shirts are communicating a message. 
right? The message is sport or music or fill in the blank is life. Is life. It is the end all be all. It is everything. And the rest of the stuff is just filler. Like it doesn't matter. And it's amazing to me. It is amazing to me the temptation that we have as people um, to chase after life in all sorts of ways that never satisfy us or fulfill us. When true life, when true life is at our fingertips, Jesus came and said, like, I am the bread of life. You find your satisfaction in me. Students, the things that we chase after other than God, regardless of what they are, will never satisfy you. When I was 17 or 18 years old, there were a handful of things that I wanted for my life. I wanted a, I wanted a good job. I wanted to make a decent wage. Like I wanted to find a girl, not necessarily in that order. Like I wanted to get married. I wanted to have a good family. I wanted to drive a decent car, actually a nice car, and live in a nice house. And I wanted to take a nice vacation. Like, I wanted essentially the American dream. Like, that's what, I, that's what I wanted. And I don't think that I was or I am the only one. I think the vast majority of people spend their lives chasing after some, some picture of the American dream. And listen, God wants so much more for you. He wants so much more for you. That does not mean he does not want you to use your gifts and abilities and have a great job. That does not mean that God doesn't want you to make a good living and support your family. It does not mean that God does not want you to enjoy his creation and the world that he made. It does mean that God has called you and wants you to worship him and him alone. When you taste good bread, you do not want to settle for anything less. And graduate, do not settle uh, for anything less. There is a truer reality in the world other than the reality that we, that all of us, oftentimes chase after. Listen to the words of Jesus when he invites people to follow him and partake of him it sounds it it sounds a bit odd so Jesus said to them truly truly i say to you unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood you have no life in you whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread that the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever." Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Jesus was telling him again that life uh, was found in him. He is the one who satisfies. Not, 
location or vocation, not your degree or your ability to make dinero, not falling in love or finding the perfect internship or actually liking uh, your roommate, not living life in such a way where all your hopes and dreams come true. There is one uh, who gives life. There is one who gives life. So students, graduates, moms and dads, men and women, do not settle for cheap bread. Uh, Number four, copy off Simon Peter's paper. Typically, I don't encourage us to cheat. I'd like to go on record because I know we have people watching at home, and because we record this, it'll be saved forever. I want to go on record. I'm not for cheating in school. I will not tell you whether or not I may or may not have once or twice as I was pursuing my education, but I want to encourage you, copy, copy, beg, borrow, and steal off of Simon Peter's paper. Verse 60, when many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? And Jesus said, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Which is a great question, considering Jesus just said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before. Jesus is saying, essentially, if you're offended by that, like, wait till you see me go back to heaven after the resurrection. That's going to blow you away. And then he says these words, is it not the spirit who gives life? The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there is some who do not Believe for Jesus knew from the beginning those who were who uh, those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, "This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father." Verse sixty-six. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, "Do you want to go away?" as well? Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Uh, Graduates, uh, church family, uh, do you want to go away as well? When Jesus steps on your toes, when his word challenges you and confronts you, when God holds up a mirror, to your heart and your soul, and it confronts how you want to live and how you want to operate? Will you go away as well? Recent studies show that in America, two in three church-going teenagers stop attending church for at least a year as young adults. An ever-increasing amount of the two-thirds of teenagers who leave the church, uh, do not come back to the church. Among those who drop out, 71% say their leaving wasn't an intentional decision. It just happened during natural transitions 
out of high school and into college. Almost half, 47% of those who dropped out of church and attended college say moving to college played a role in in why they were no longer attending church. Jesus here, when he asked the disciples, are you going to go away as well, was not primarily talking about church attendance. It's not what I'm advocating for, although that's what I'm advocating for. Jesus is saying, are you going to leave me? Are you going to walk away from me? These were, not, these were not people who heard Jesus' stories 2,000 years after the fact. Like, these were people that walked with him. Like, they had meals together. They experienced miracles from Jesus. And they, they knew him. Like they, they heard him laugh and tell jokes. They heard his teaching. They experienced his miracles. And Jesus said to them, are you going to leave? Are you going to leave too? And I love Simon Peter's uh, response. I love Simon Peter's response. Simon Peter, verse 68, Simon Peter uh, answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed, and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. This response from Peter shows a fixed and settled decision. Peter is affirming that they have reached a final conviction that Jesus is in fact the Holy One of God. He is the Savior of the world. Graduates copy Simon Peter's response. Don't just utter his words, but by the power of the living God, experience it in your heart. Reach a final conviction conviction about Jesus and then spend your days pursuing him above all else. He, man, he is so worth it. He is so worth it. Students, I know that today you are full of hope and anticipation because you near the end of a season of your life, it feels like the last 17 or 18 years have flown by, like in a blink they are gone. You might even remember what it was like to be four, five, six years old when you walked into the doors of that elementary school and you attended kindergarten for the first or for the second time. Like you remember what it was like and you might find yourself thinking to yourself, I cannot believe at how quickly life has passed me by. Guess what? It does not slow down. It doesn't slow down. You will blink and all of a sudden your children will be graduating from high school. So many people have asked me over the course of these last months, James, how does it feel to have a high school graduate? How does it feel to have your boy graduate and leave the house? And I'll be honest with you, I really haven't come up with a great response to that question yet. Like, I'm still working my way through it. But one of the things that I've been amazed by 
at is how final this season feels like. Like we, we, I say we, Melissa spent countless hours gathering pictures of the last 18 years of my son's life. Like she spent endless hours on Apple Music going, what song should I choose to play in the background as all the beautiful pictures come up on the screen? Like we made this little shrine to our son for people to walk by and like, honor him and look at his life. And, and this sounds strange. It sounds strange. But I had this passing thought that before long, before long, my kids are going to sit around a kitchen table and they're going to be looking for pictures of me. And they're going to be talking amongst themselves and they're going to go, I wonder what song we should play for dad. Because life passes us by quickly. Early Friday morning, uh, a hero of, of the faith uh, died. Uh, I don't know if you have heard or read any of Tim Keller's uh, books yet, uh, but if you haven't, you should. Uh, he was a pastor. He was a writer. Uh, he was kind. Uh, he loved Jesus. I was struck by the tweet uh, that his son sent out about his dad. This is what he said. He said, Dad waited until he was alone with Mom. Uh, she kissed him on the forehead, and he breathed his last breath. The tweet read. And then his son said this. We take great comfort in some of his last words. This is what he said. There is no downside for me leaving, not in the slightest. Friends, when you are in Christ, when you serve a God and know a God and trust in a God who knows your beginning and knows your end, when you worship a God who has numbered your days and secured your future for all of eternity because his promises are true, um, there is no downside in leaving this world, not in the slightest. Uh, graduates, my hope and prayer for you is that you would live your life in such a way that at the end of your life, um, you would be able to speak and utter those words. There is no downside for me going to be with Jesus, not in the slightest. Graduate, uh, decide if Jesus was just a guy or if he was God. Don't run from God. You'll get tired and God has good closing speed. Don't settle for cheap bread. And whatever you do, copy off Simon Peter's paper. It'll change your life forever. A church family, I want to I take time now, a couple minutes, and I want us to quietly... Uh, in our seats, um, pray for our graduates. I want us to pray that these words uh, from John chapter 6 would be lived out not only in their own hearts and in their own lives, but in ours as well. Uh, I want us to pray for Roxana. I want us to pray for Chloe. 
I want us to pray for Ethan. I want us to pray for Gavin. I want us to pray for Everett. I want us to pray for Cademan. I want us to pray for Henry. And I want us to pray uh, for Devin. And so if you would, just please bow with me as we pray quietly uh, in our seats for these young men and these young women, uh, that the God of the universe would captivate uh, their hearts and that that same God would captivate ours. Would you pray with me? God, we give you thanks for our graduates this morning. I thank you that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. I thank you that your plan for them is good. Uh, that, that before they breathe their first breath on this planet, that you had them in mind. Uh, Lord, I thank you that you are a constant pursuer uh, of your people. I pray that our graduates would know that, uh, that you are chasing after them. You are the hound of heaven. And so I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would stir in their hearts a longing and a desire and an affection for you. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would be their greatest joy in life. Uh, Lord, I pray that they would uh, not settle uh, for lesser joys. God, I pray that you would give them eyes uh, to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive uh, your goodness each and every day. Uh, God, thank you so much for uh, the truth of your word. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for Jesus, King Jesus. We thank you that he is who he claimed to be. Uh, Lord, we thank you that he constantly pursues uh, his kids. You draw us by the power of your spirit to you. I thank you that even now, today, Lord, you're doing that. Lord, I thank you that you are true bread. Jesus, you are true bread from heaven that satisfies. Uh, God, we give you thanks today that you uh, invite us through uh, your son and by uh, your spirit to claim uh, that you are the savior of the world. Where else would we go, Lord? You have, uh, you have life. And so we receive it this morning. God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.